Alright. Alright. I did better than last time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Move Owners, everybody. What beer are you drinking today, my good man? Well, probably not one that's on, quite as on point as you so enthusiastically texted me a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, uh. But I think it still works. Um, I am drinking Brunette Bombshell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. Sexy beers going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that totally works. Yeah, it does. Um, I went the other way. Not the exact other way, but uh, you, you'll see in a second. Um, mine is more on the blonde side of things. It is from the Crystal Springs Brewing Company in, I never even looked, Boulder, Colorado and Louisville, <laughs> Colorado. And it is called, hold on, where's the front of this can? Naughty Marilyn. And, uh, I feel like we will talk about a handful of things, but Marilyn Monroe particularly had a good hand in changing a couple of things or perception she, of things. She kind of had like the hand. So, <laughs> no. Yeah. So it says, watch out for Marilyn because it wow. is a 8.2% um, Belgian wow. style ale and it is ridiculously good. I, yeah. I think I made a face when I first sipped it. It's really good. Mine is a uh, 8.68%. So it looks like you okay. and I are both. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, I mean, yeah, the topic is definitely about some strong visuals and people have strong feelings about them. Yeah. So strong yeah, beers go uh, with that. Potentially the hottest topic in Hollywood. Well, one of them. Yeah. Definitely one of them. Um, yeah. It should be a very interesting little, little conversation today, folks. <clears throat> all right. So let's. Check in on the very first time that we actually have something interesting. I was going to say, the there's going to be actual, like, there's something to look at now. <laughs> I'm winning, which is good news, I think, overall. I like that you say you're winning. You've had <laughs> one movie come out so far. And yeah, I, my movie so far is the best movie that has come out this year that we've drafted. <laughs> And in particular, because uh, no other movies come out, but it's true. I, I have to say, I did expect Argyle to have higher than a 6.0 and higher than a 65% audience rating. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. It's kind of tank, tanked a little bit. Uh, sounds like box office is not doing great either. Yeah. Yep. Looks like we have a long ways to go. 18 million opening weekend. So. Oh, good. Yeah, I'll update this so that's a little bit more accurate. And uh, yeah, $18 million. Nothing to sneeze at, but we'll see what happens when uh, we get through March and April. But we're off to the races. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, something happened. Uh, that's good. That's good news. <clears throat> what? I know. We. No, no, we have another oh. bit of uh, movie draft little stuff for you to update. We do? What's that? I finally came up with a fucking name. Oh, all right. 
I totally forgot to even ask you. I know. Uh, it's like you were expecting me to let you down again, and that's fair. Um. <laughs> well, it's funny. I uh, Last time I made all of those uh, jokes about you not having selected one yet, and then I realized you the t- episode before that, you took a giant paper note, and there's really no reason that you should have not remembered. I know. It, yeah, okay. I know. So what is your fantastic draft team name? Obviously, I wanted to be a a little... I I wanted to continue this uh, being a shit to you because I kind of feel obligated to. And then I thought, I need to play off of his fucking Die Hard with a Vengeance play. So I had to think of something for that. Um, Okay. And I, I think really the only one that just kept popping in my head because it's so cheesy, it's so dumb, but it made me laugh. Um, so I'm going to be dropping Gruber. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fuck your Simon says McLean all the way. <laughs> Wait, what's your name? Dropping Grubers. Dropping Grubers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gruber's is with it, it's G U R or G R U B. Come on, oh, like the original, like Hans Gruber. You're talking about like, Hans, oh, yeah, okay, and his brother. that makes more sense. Jesus, I was like, I don't, remember. you know, for a movie fan, for a diehard fan, <laughs> Shut the you're up. really uh, kind of shit in the bed right there, bud. Okay, uh, yes, that was a brain <laughs> fart and a half. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Okay. That's a good rivalry. I'll yeah. accept that as an as a name. I, I thought that that'd be a good play on yours. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, have you seen anything new lately? I have. I watched two new movies recently. Right. Very, very recently, actually. Um, well, I contributed to the Argyle box office. My daughter and I went and saw it. Um, good. Thank we you. thought it was entertaining. It's fun. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like I was reading some of the hate on it. And the whole time I was like, all right, so everyone going into this movie, we're expecting like Kingsman 2.0 or something like that. Like the exact same mm-hmm. movie. It's not. And uh, I think people try to take this movie serious, which you really shouldn't. Yeah. It's, it's just a fun, mindless two and a half. The runtime is a little nuts for it. It's almost two and a half hours long. But oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but okay. very entertaining. My daughter and I, it made us laugh and, and we we enjoyed it. There's one sequence in it that I told my daughter. I was like, could have done without that because it was pretty. Even hmm. for ridiculousness, this was that was a bit much. And she goes, yeah, but the yeah. rest of the movie was cool. And I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so Argyle was fun. Don't take it serious. Good. Just go for the entertainment. Um, and then I watched another catch up movie from 2023 that also has a bunch of hype behind it. And unlike mm-hmm. the other big hyped kind of lower budget, like films or whatnot, artsy films, uh, this one mm-hmm. was actually really good. Uh, good. Not up your alley. So I feel like okay. if you watch it, you're going to be like, It was, it was okay. Like, I feel that's exactly what your response will be to it. Okay. I took it as this movie might be the most honest 
drama I've seen for a mm. while. It's Past Lives. It's that oh, uh, yeah. Korean slash American film uh, yeah. from last year. Yeah, good movie. I was a little on the fence with it for most of it, where I was like, I like this, but this is just, it, it almost feels too real, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To be just a movie. But that final act, like the final third, was where it really sold it to me. And I was like, all right, the more I think about this movie, the more I really, really liked it. So this was good stuff. That was really good. Okay, that's good. I heard uh, that's Christopher Nolan's favorite movie of the last year. Oh, really? You're in good company. Yeah. 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 I very much enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, I watched... Four things, oh, and they're all movies. Holy so, shit. <laughs> no TV shows. You don't have to give me any grief this time. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get through uh, the DCEU. Get caught up. Oh God! Finish it strong. Uh, so I watched Aquaman two. Not doing it in order, obviously. Right. I haven't even I watched, watched Aquaman Aqu- yet. <laughs> okay, I watched Aquaman two, and mostly because. Part of my movie watching is dictated by what my wife is interested in. And she's like, yeah, well, sure. We'll check it out. Like the first Aquaman, but did also want to see how much Amber Heard was in it and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. So I'll have to say it was a rough start to catch up on DCEU stuff. It, Aquaman 2 is not good. Not good <laughs> at all. The only thing worse than the CGI in it is the writing and particularly the dialogue. There were so many times where I was like rolling my eyes at it. Uh, <laughs> all right. And even even the like physical set design was weird and terrible. So many scenes just felt so empty and it feels like there has to be a lot cut out of it because there's times when like it just like jumps ahead and you're like, did I miss something? What's what's happening? So it was a little confusing. Um, <laughs> okay. Maybe because it's the last DCEU movie and the last one in a series of failures that they honestly just didn't give a fuck about it. Uh, it reminded mm-hmm. me of uh, an elf buddy's dad when he, they're writing that book and they're like, what happened to the tomato? And they're like, it's Oh yeah. Nobody gives a shit about the tomato. <laughs> like, We're just missing a page. Nobody will notice. That's what it felt like. Um, okay. But interestingly, okay. I expected there to be, uh, I expected there to be a lot less Amber heard than there was, or as my wife calls her Amber turd. Uh, she's in it more than we both expected, uh, which is not bad. I don't, I don't hate her. And I liked the Mira character. So that was all right. Um, so yeah, that was a little rough. I probably won't ever watch it again. And then I watched Black Adam, trying to go back to the beginning because I never <laughs> saw Black Adam. And it's okay. so weird. I feel like the controversy around Dwayne Johnson and Henry Cavill and uh, the movie was just buried so quickly after it came out that nobody talks about it or even remembers that Black Adam was a thing that was trying to happen. And so I was very concerned when it started because there's so much exposition of we're in this country and there's all of these names you need to remember. And there's all this (laughs) mystical energy with a weird name. And I was like, and then nobody that I felt like I should care about showed up for like 20 minutes. Uh, But then from there, I got sucked in pretty fast. Like I ended up liking it quite a bit 
and I was impressed with Dwayne Johnson and I felt I saw more Black Adam in him than than Dwayne Johnson in him which was kind of cool mm-hmm. you don't see that a lot but yeah Dr. Fate was 100% standout for me I really wish that we could get more of him and he had the coolest character design of any of the characters on like superhero (laughs) movies that I've seen in a really long time. Uh, So yeah, it's, I, I liked black Adam. I I definitely wish that it was able to do what it wanted to do, but it wasn't bad at all. And then I watched, they cloned Tyrone, which is another, it's one that got recommended multiple times for our, underrated of last year category Mm -hmm. in the awards and so i felt like i had to watch it and uh yeah i I liked it quite a lot i thought it was very interesting very well done um and very different and so i i agree with all the people recommending it i liked they cloned tyrone quite a bit for a straight to streaming movie i thought it was super good and then lastly kind of like your past lives um movie i watched another serious one that a lot of people are talking about from last year i watched may december with uh, julianne moore right yeah julianne moore and natalie portman and some guy that i think has been in other stuff charles melton he's been a lot of stuff but i'd never heard of him before and it's a really interesting movie about julianne moore plays the wife of Charles Melton's character and they she's a lot older than him and they had started a relationship when he was in high school and she was his teacher and then ended up falling in love and getting married and all the stuff and then Natalie Portman plays an actress who shows up and is going to do a movie based on her life and so it's like trying to get to know them and get to the heart of who they really are and their relationship with each other and Mm -hmm. and they raise they raise a lot of interesting questions about even though you're in love, even though you're like have a family, have kids, all this stuff, wasn't it still grooming? Wasn't it still pedophilia? And how does that affect him as he grew up and all stuff? And they kind of get into it. Uh, it asks interesting questions and I think does a lot with it. It was very, very good. And all of the actors in it were really, really good. Directing was okay. really, really good. So I, uh, I, that bumped it up quite a bit. It's going to be in a handful of our categories for the awards. Cool. Cool. So yeah, I recommend it. All right. Uh, Speaking of awards, we are, I think we're two episodes away from, so we have this episode coming out. Now we have the Dune episode coming out after that uh, beginning of March. And then uh, that's the original Dune, the Dave Lynch Dune. And then after that, uh, March 17th are the Movie Boners Awards. First ever inaugural uh, Movie Boners Awards. And that will be an incredible time. It's going to be a we lot We are going to have we're going to have a lot of guests. We've been reaching out to a bunch of other podcasts and Instagram people and uh, they're psyched about presenting some awards yeah, for us. Yeah. Pretty much all of our categories are already taken. So <laughs> that is very exciting. <laughs> I don't even know what they're going to do. Sounds like some of them might do a sketch, sketch, sketches. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Um, sketches? Sketches, it's- yeah. I'm so excited to just see everyone's, like, all their presentation. It's so funny. We got a message from one of them. I think it was today. I won't I won't give it away. 
but kind of hinting at what they are planning on doing for yeah, their category. Some, some costumes will be involved. And, yeah, and I was just ecstatic when I read it. <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm, I'm stoked for it. It's going to be funny. It's going to be enjoyable. And uh, it's basically going to be everything that I think we wish real award shows kind of were, but not really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I think that's the goal. It should be a very good time. And so if you are listening to this and you're not friends with us on Instagram, you should go there because we want you to vote on who you think should win. And then mm-hmm. we will take those votes under advisement and uh, decide the winners after that. And uh, that, yeah, we should be putting those polls up shortly after this episode comes out, I think. So it should be good. I also am considering when we record that episode, broadcasting it live so other people can join and watch us record it and comment while we're recording it. I don't know if I'm brave enough for that. I also don't know (laughs) if I'm technically savvy enough to do that and not have it fall apart, but it would be cool. So look out for that. That might be happening. I don't know yet. We'll figure it out. But it's going to be a good time, folks. We want you to join. Obviously, when the polls are up, make sure you're putting your vote in. Um, I'm kind of excited because I know there's probably going to be a couple that like you and I are probably going to debate on which ones we Mm -hmm. think should be the winners. Uh, Those should be some fun conversations, little debates. Uh, Yeah, I'm stoked for it. I think it's so much fun. My my daughter was looking at the the nominees and the the categories, and she was like, well, "I don't know what half of these are, Dad." And I was like, "That's okay." And then there were a couple that she was like, <laughs> "Oh God, Dad, why are you guys bringing that up?" And I was like, "Cause it's funny." <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what she's talking about already. Yep. Yeah, that'll be. A good time. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. Yeah. All right. All right. So, with all that out of the way. You want to get into this very sexy episode. (laughs) Yes, let's do this. I felt I was like, man, part of me wants to just shout out, you know, start the episode off super immature and funny because it's kind of like on brand for us and just being like a boobies. But at the same time, you're like, it gets into some weird, murky waters pretty fast and so (laughs) we'll do our best it's gonna be an interesting yet yeah i don't i don't know exactly what i thought when we first decided to do this i know that it was a little entertaining coming up off of the romance episode we're talking all about true love and now we're like lust the whole other side of things (laughs) but i just i kind of had the same thought as you i was like there are a lot of funny instances and funny occasions and and awkward sex scenes throughout all of history but yeah it does also get you know it's it's a serious topic you want to be respectful of and a lot of people involved have had terrible experiences and so you don't want to make light of that for sure but uh and then there's a lot of people that are super okay with some of the weirdest (laughs) stuff ever so (laughs) it really depends and i think we'll talk about all of it yeah it it got kind of weird pretty fast for me. Watched a documentary, did some reading, did a lot of quite a bit of research on this one actually. And was <laughs> like, well, 
both of our algorithms are probably going to be real fucking weird now. I can't wait to see <laughs> what it brings up on Instagram and Facebook ads. Uh-huh. Yay. Um, yeah, I did feel <laughs> weird about it because I was like, it's the first topic in a long time that I didn't do hardly any movie watching preparation. Right. It was mostly like reading. And then I like needed the context of something. So I was like, what this movie, the sex scene, 1985. <laughs> and then I was like, I, I feel weird about it. Is this. I feel like a perv. Which made me Google. It did made me actually Google because it reminded me of Knocked Up. And they're putting that whole website together with yeah, sex yeah. scenes and stuff. And all the, all the nudity is yeah. always in my head. And then it reminded me of Mr. Skin, the old website from back in the day that like cataloged all of the like this many minutes into this movie, this actress gets naked and shows boobs or shows full nudity or is just sexy or whatever. It's still up. That website is still online. Oh, God. Mr. Skin has been going strong since 1999 (laughs) for 25 years. So I don't know if you have to pay a subscription or whatever like you used to, but it's definitely still very active. And uh, I don't know if that that seems like a bad thing, but it was hilarious to me. (laughs) That that it's still going. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I thought of the, uh, the scene in Knocked Up. Well, it's not even just a scene. Like I thought of the group of friends, their it's whole like project. Yeah. The subplot yeah. of like, for making this website, it, it's not just going to be about like topless shots. It's full nudity. It's all of it. You know, do they show Bush or do they not? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought of that, that little bit and was like, wow, Jake and I are like that this week, but not cause yeah, I, I found myself like, okay, as I'm doing Google searches, how can I word the search so that it doesn't come across as like pervy and gross, yeah. but like <laughs> educational? <laughs> yeah, this is very serious research. And, uh, I respect women. Yeah, it's it, funny. It does get so. The first thing I did was I had seen this documentary like a year or so ago, and then remembered it for this episode and was like, mm. well, I'm obviously going to sit back down and rewatch this documentary. Couldn't remember the name of it though. So I had to mm. look up like nudity documentaries, which brings up <laughs> a whole weird list. Um, but I found it. So highly recommend it. Well, no, <laughs> I partially recommend this one because it goes from, being really interesting and kind of really diving pretty deep into the history of mm-hmm. like nudity and sex scenes in, in film. But yeah. then it just becomes like, we're going to list every movie that seems to have a lot of nudity in it or like weird sex scenes. It just kind of starts listing them like bullet points. And it kind of, I felt loses mm-hmm the whole point of what I think the documentary was originally intended for. Um, but it came out during an interesting time in Hollywood came out during the me too movement. So mm, yeah. they kicked the whole thing off with all the history on that. So it kind of kicks off really intense and you feel kind of gross right out the gate, but I guess yeah. that's kind of the point. Um, and then, yeah, just, it was a gross time when they had <laughs> every 
actor and producer you've ever heard of start getting accused of stuff. Uh, yeah, and the Harvey Weinstein's, you know, stuff, mm-hmm. that's like the all-encompassing of it. It, it mm-hmm. does weird me out whenever I like pop in a movie from the 90s that was done by the Weinstein yeah. property, and you're like, ooh, gross. Okay. <laughs> you're like, right. Just puts a bad <laughs> film over everything. It, it does. It, it's got a weird like asterisks next to every movie that he produced, yeah. but um, yet yeah, kind of a little more serious topic than I think I originally thought it would be. And then I also had to laugh halfway through like the week because this would be the second episode. I think you and I went into it expecting <laughs> to like giggle and chuckle about mm-hmm. and kind of poke fun at that kind of like, reverts it back onto us and is like, Oh no, actually you're not going to feel great about half of what you're about to learn. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Closely related to a couple of previous episodes, uh, (laughs) there is the episode we did about the most offensive movies ever had a lot of very dark and, and disturbing scenes involving nudity, but also involving, rape and all other other gross stuff mm-hmm. uh, and then also tied back into the mpaa rating system episode we did kind of breaking down its whole history and stuff yeah. you can't talk about that we're talking about probably the most prominent feature of <laughs> film that has made them rate them and censor them and all that stuff and that's pretty much nudity has always been a hot topic a taboo topic for sure yeah uh i know we had talked about like the uh what was it called the producers uh document or whatever it was the called the Hayes uh, code or the Hayes yeah the Hayes code yeah the code of, um code of conduct yeah we had we had kind of briefly talked about the Hayes code in our MPAA episode but really learning about it here and kind of God, Hollywood's so fucking weird how like it was Hayes mm-hmm combined with this whole Catholic sect that decided they were the ones that were going to rule over films. And it was like, well, that's ironic that group of Catholics were the original, like censors of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I read about the (laughs) Legion of Legion of what is it called? They're like a Legion of, uh, this decency. Yeah. And they rated movies, a, B or C. And uh, A is like, this is A-okay. And then B is, you should not probably see this movie, but it's okay, I guess. And then C is like, this is the worst thing that you've yeah. ever seen. C and- was essentially, you will burn in hell if you even look at the cover <laughs> of this movie. It was to the point where like priests would be telling their congregations which movies were allowed for the congregation to watch and and the idea that it's going to scare people from seeing it. But as everyone knows, human nature is like, you told me I'm not supposed to do this thing without giving me any actual reasons why Mm -hmm. I'm going to go check it out. And that's kind of what ended up happening was more (laughs) people started flocking to the, you're going to burn for watching this kind of movie. Um, It must mean that there's really good stuff in it if they don't want me to see it. So (laughs) I got to check it out. Uh, What took me off guard, I think, the most was, and just to kind of dive into a little bit of the history real quick, I know we just kind of jumped like 30 years into when 
after the controversy of nudity in film had already come out. Uh, and that mm. was during the silent, like as soon as film or movie movies were made. Yeah. Nudity was a part of it, which I didn't quite realize like right out the gate. <laughs> one of the first thoughts we had was, well, let's put some boobs in this. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think of like people from olden times being psyched about that kind of stuff and like being <laughs> being horny or whatever it, it's just like well it's partly that but it's also partly like michelangelo and all these classic painters have always painted nudes and nudity has always been a part of art yeah so is it's i think there could be that influence for sure but then there also has to be the well, basic human nature of i would really like to see some boobs right now so in that documentary that I that I watched, which I can't remember if I said it, but it's called Skin, the History of Nudity in Film. Um, okay. In that documentary and then also through other research, uh, I, I ended up learning that nudity was also kind of started off as a, an act of rebellion or spiteful move when it came mm. to filmmaking. So Edison just to give you like real history real quick uh <laughs> edison made claimed he had made the first moving picture like the the movie camera he claimed okay. that he did this but he, he actually claimed did. a lot of bullshit he claimed he a lot do. of bullshit but this was a big one that he claimed the first moving picture camera and uh if you want it and he like patented it and he created this whole team and they called themselves mm. the trust and if anyone wanted to make a moving picture, they had to pay mm -hmm. Thomas Edison and the trust to have permission to make oh. any moving picture. People like didn't want to pay Thomas Edison this because, you know, fuck you, dude. And right. so there was this whole other group kind of independent film, like wannabe filmmakers. I think they actually called themselves independents, but they decided to kind of make their own production make their own movie, you know, moving picture cameras and then realize, well, we don't have any gimmick. We have no way to bring in money. We have no way to do any of this to even compete with Edison. And so like the first thought they had was, well, let's throw some skin in the film and <laughs> the birth of nudity <laughs> in moving pictures yeah. is Works comes about time. and it worked. And <laughs> As soon as it was successful and, and kicking things off for a, a little while, it started to really like rub people the wrong way. And I realized mm -hmm. real quick, we're probably going to use all the wrong lingo. So if you feel like you have to giggle <laughs> at all the little, do it. Um, <laughs> there's no avoiding There's a lot it. of <laughs> dancing around the words <laughs> as we are also not the most comfortable <laughs> we're, <kind of> dark, <laughs> we're not sense. the most mature to tackle a subject yeah. like this but we're attempting bear with us Do our best yeah yeah and so i think it was that was like 1887 early 1900s that that came out okay um and then because of that it started sparking a lot of debate a lot of hot like holy crap we can't be showing this in any kind of area. So then weird mm. rules kind of came down for it where 
any nudity was kind of deemed like scandalous and this isn't this is gross you can't be showing this unless mm. and it's funny that you brought up michelangelo unless okay. the nudity was done as an art model so mm. no movement no you know no actual acting your nude model can stand perfectly still and you are allowed to show nudity but that's okay. it and so that's kind of how like that was the first gray area that these filmmakers mm-hmm. started going towards. They based it on uh, this model in New York. I forget her name, um, but she like, I guess she inspired a whole bunch of statues that are all over New York city. She did a couple of these okay. silent films where she played like multiple characters in one, but she was always nude. And then it started going like getting more and more. And that was, around 1930 as well, when Will Hayes was appointed the front man, because in Hollywood, suddenly everyone's like, we got to rein this in. We can't be having boobs (laughs) and butts up on the screen because shockingly (laughs) there was a lot (laughs) like from the early 1900s. So 19, I think it was like 1911 or something like that to 1930 tons of these movies had so much nudity in them and so everyone's freaking out and then you have everyone that's like also for it and not seeing anything wrong with it so it's it's interesting that right out the gate yeah act of spitefulness and kind of rebellion we're gonna throw boobs at the screen and then at the same time it was like well now we have to immediately find a gray area to get away with doing this before Mm -hmm. they decide to stomp that too and hollywood kind of like self-regulated self-governed but then also tried to govern all of it It, very interesting in those first like 30 years of it's really it's really crazy to think of like because when i think of like the 20s 30s and 40s i think of very proper very polite very conservative (laughs) and it's crazy that how much nudity there was in films very early on and then it's kind of been throughout history that the pendulum kind of swings back yeah. and forth. They're like, Oh wait, that's too much. We need to control it. And then they control it a little too much. And then it becomes kind of that rebellion of now we're going to fight back against the man and put, <laughs> find like you'd mentioned that they, they have that first gray area mm-hmm. that kind of seems like the thing that there's always a gray area. And then they push the boundaries a little further Yeah, and just throughout history kind of have always done that. And then, and it, but it's weird to think of like nowadays you kind of think that nowadays is the most free and liberal and and sexualized open and, and people don't care as much as they did back then but i don't think that's the case after watching a lot of these like even 50s and 60s and 70s movies i'm like that would not people would not go for that these days there would be so many people uh, online like losing their minds over these movies oh yeah uh yeah i had the same thought of like i think generalized i think it also has something to do with like there's so much more exposure towards mm-hmm. it these days everyone is subjected to it you know no matter what you do i mean we joked about our algorithms are going to probably be a little weird for a little <laughs> while um yeah it's like we're force fed kind of as a desensitate or yeah, we're being desensitized. Yeah, towards it's true. Um, it's definitely true. Even like outside of movies on like my personal Instagram, there's constantly like yeah. just chicks going up and it's not even the crazy thing 
this is a tangent because it's not movie related, but the craziest thing is I'm seeing more and more accounts that are not even real people that are very obviously like an AI face put on. And there's, you know, there's just some dude in a basement, like making bank by his millions of followers mm -hmm. from this fake girl that he's made uh, dance around almost naked or pretty much naked. And then, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing with that pendulum swinging because it does kind of seem like we are more exposed to it and and it's and it's kind of saturated society almost almost too much it seems like and so that rebellion i see it online kind of coming in and there's it has become like the punk thing the punk rock rebellious thing to like not not be into that stuff and be more right. conservative, be more <laughs> like kids, kids are like, you know, it's actually cool to be like super Christian and super. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's never been cool. Like I was a little Christian dork and nobody ever thought I was cool. So I don't know how you get away with it, but yeah, they're like very like anti only fans, anti all this stuff. And they're like, that is, they're trying to swing the culture back or find the middle or something. Well, I think that's what... And, and they're not entirely wrong. It's definitely a weird thing that's happening. I, I think it kind of like comes down to that, that principle of like, you have to find a middle ground. And yeah. the, the problem is, is like, we have been swinging this pendulum so much. <laughs> we never just let it settle down. It's always, we have to keep yeah. it in one extreme or the other. Um, and, and yeah, that's it the gets... craziest thing. It's like in all of human history, we haven't figured it out. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and, and you have moments in some movies where like the nudity will actually kind of make sense. It actually serves the story. It, it won't be gratuitous. Yeah. It won't be just, you know, oh, the director and writer just wanted to jerk off on set. Mm -hmm. Bad joke. I know, guys. I know. <laughs> partly bad joke, partly not partly, a joke, though. I unfortunately, like... kind of true. If you look at films like before, I hate saying it this close, but before like 2015, yeah, even 2017, that was a reality on some sets. Yeah. So there was definitely, there was a time period uh, as we're kind of jumping through history, but there was a time period where nudity started becoming pretty mainstream and it stopped being like a niche independent thing that yeah. was happening and Hollywood was okay with it kind of post code era leaving that uh, it has become very old fashioned. And then they kind of moved into the MPAA rating system, which doesn't make any real judgments. It's just like, just so you know, there's boobs in this, <laughs> right? You may or may not care. It doesn't mean <laughs> it's bad or good. Uh, but then there were like Russ Myers. I'm sure everybody's heard of Russ Myers films. Um, he's pretty much famous for being the spearhead of pointless nudity movies and just an, any excuse to have naked chicks in it. And then he became very successful distributing these movies outside of the main Hollywood system. And so Hollywood's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe nudity's not so bad after all. Maybe we could <laughs> use some of that money. And so, like, not that long after that. That producers were actually telling filmmakers, they're like, you should have, you know, if you, this is going to be an all right movie, you should have a couple of nudity. Yeah. It's like, find an excuse for someone to take their top off. I mean, come on. And so they're getting pressure from the studios to not only that. This is the weird part for me is like everybody you watch a movie, 
and then someone takes their top off and there's some boobs or a butt or whatever and you're like yeah it's pretty cool like it's not bad most people don't care that much some people care a lot both directions they really want it and they're a little weird about it and then some people really don't want it and they're a little weird about it but for most people it's you know it's can be good can be nice but it's weird that you'll be watching this movie and you and it's just a quick scene and you're like yeah that was that was that was okay that was nice and then if you really think about it though how much work goes into casting a lady casting going through several ladies to for this part figure out who should have it and then all of this complicated technical setup of shooting the scene who's going to be in the room with them what's right. the temperature what's the clothing situation all of the rehearsals all of the like there's so much work that goes into this and it's so awkward for them it has to be it for most be. of the time I, reading interviews with actors and actresses on sets who have filmed like a nude scene is one thing yeah. where they're like yeah the you know you have x number of people on set when you do a nude scene and it's usually from what i gathered on, on all this stuff was there's not much difference when it's just a nude scene whether it's male or female in terms of who's all still on set, who's allowed to be on set. But when it comes to the sex scene, they were more relaxed pre me too. post me yeah. too, a whole new job was created, which kind of shocked me that I was like, how was this not actually already a thing? Cause I feel like this yeah. is such a, to not, to not regulate, sex scenes in films especially having seen some <laughs> movies i mean we've i think everyone has seen at least a couple films where it'll have a sex scene that everyone has a thought of like wow this is going on for quite a while or wow that's yeah. a lot of extra rigorous humping like, humping what is going <laughs> a on more than is necessary yeah right so i was shocked to learn that I think they're called like the intimacy coordinators. Intimacy like coordinators. That. Yeah. 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 Uh, didn't really become a job until like 2017, 2018. And that's the person who is on set, who does regulate who is on the closed set, who's allowed to be on the set mm-hmm. and how much contact, how much like they actually stick to the contract made and then make sure every little pinpoint of it, is followed. Mm-hmm. I I am for that. I think that's good for the actress, the actor. I think it, it helps create a safer environment. Kind of grossed out that we didn't have that beforehand just because having seen some of these movies that have some pretty <laughs> lengthy scenes in it, you're like, can you imagine having to film this in front of all these people? And then, you know, it seemed popped in my head was uh in the disaster artist what when they do the when they film one of the sex scenes and just the way that like franco's character treats Mm -hmm. the actress and it's not a closed set and it's like is that Mm -hmm. how it always is it kind of like it challenged me a little bit and i was like "Ooh, this is like making even more gray area for me like okay (laughs) weird (laughs) yeah yeah that's definitely true and i was I was surprised by that as well. And then also the whole 
like the nudity writer and nudity contract like there's a whole special mm -hmm. section if you're going to do nudity if you're going to do sex scenes they have to at least nowadays accurately like describe what's expected who will be there where it will be what yeah. the situation is what they're going for like everything that you're being asked to do so that you can like negotiate it or agree to it and then everybody has to agree to it obviously and then if they change things that's the weird thing is like when you're making a movie everything can be pretty fluid like you have an idea of what you want to happen but that's never what actually ends up on a film and so you get there so there's te technical issues the camera breaks down the weather's wrong uh, lighting's right. weird you have ideas you're constantly writing new things you're like oh it wouldn't it be great if we did this instead or if, if you could do that you can't do that like you have to say <laughs> pump the brakes are you okay with doing xyz now that we decided to change it and then yeah. get it amended and get it you agree to it and all the stuff which is good you don't want i mean there are there are it goes both ways there are certainly people that are fine with it they're like yeah whatever like let's do it that sounds great let's just do it i'm down and then there are other people that don't feel comfortable voicing a concern or speaking up for themselves especially with it depends on if the director's made you comfortable or everybody involved with the production has yeah. made you feel comfortable like you can speak up or if not there are a lot of very difficult people to work with that are you feel like if you speak up you'll never work in this town again kind of stuff right and so it's definitely i think that power dynamic people are more aware of now and putting in more things to help help people feel comfortable not doing things they're not comfortable with is good yeah. for sure well it I mean, you just brought it up. Yeah, at one point in Hollywood, it was true that if an actress refused to do a nude scene in a, in a movie that they were signed on, they were blatantly told, like, well, you're not doing this movie, or you're, I guess that's your <laughs> career then. Like, and, and it was weird mm. because nudity in film has always kind of been taboo. And then it went to, like, if you did nudity, you had no career. And then it shifted mm -hmm. and your beer definitely alludes mm -hmm. to this. Marilyn Monroe really was like the first one to kind of shatter that uh, mentality of if you do nudity, it's going to ruin your career in film. She, it was her and uh, two other women. Um, shoot. One of them was like a Marilyn Monroe lookalike. And, and the three of them kind of like, not at the same time, but they followed each other's tracks. Mm. Kind of proved to Hollywood that like no nudity can make a career, which is kind of equally as dangerous. Yeah. Right? Like that Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Like if you if you feel like this is my shot, this is what I gotta do, I won't say no to anything so that I definitely right. will make it. Uh that's not helpful or, <laughs> or good for anybody i it, it it sparked you know how I, I recently saw like poor things and i had some pretty hot takes on that movie because fuck that mm -hmm. movie but i had said <laughs> when i was ranting about it like i feel everything that barbie did to build women up and show them that it's okay to just be a woman like there is nothing yeah. wrong with just being a woman, there's so much strength in that. And to not have mm -hmm. to worry about relying on 
on societal tropes or whatever and tropes that you're building in your own head. Um, yeah. Poor things, in my opinion, rips all of that apart by showing you're only going to experience a fulfilling life. If you let men take advantage of you. Yeah. Sexually like, and, and kind of convince you that that's the healthiest route to go in life. And I feel like that pendulum of nudity and sex scenes are going to make your career. I feel like that it, it made poor things pop in my head and it fueled that opinion of mine even more, especially reading interviews, mm. watching interviews with actors and actresses on how they like, I really hated doing this nudity. It was so weird. <laughs> I hated the set. Like you don't feel comfortable. Mm. It's like, man, what? like <laughs> you can yeah. always, it also kind of brought back that rule of thumb that you and I always talk about, especially in terms of like horrible content in film or in stories where you can allude to it without ever actually yeah. showing anything. And it's just as effective. I kind of found myself thinking like, man, there's so many instances and, and even in a lot of movies that I'm a fan of where like you could have alluded to some of the nudity or some of the sex and the movie would have work just fine it works mm -hmm. great in comedies um yeah i think in some of those cases alluding to it works even better because the audience's imagination can be better yeah. than anything that you would put on film but then also some of those things are so stark and and surprising or different that it can take the audience out of the movie pretty quickly <laughs> And they can be like, oh, I'm, like uh, I read an interesting thing that Steven Soderbergh said for a commentary from Out of Sight, that movie between George uh, Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney. Yeah. Um, he, he was saying that as soon as actors take their clothes off in a movie, you're watching a documentary because it's very easy for the audience to just break with that film and suddenly be, suddenly be like, I'm seeing Jennifer Lopez naked right now. I'm right. not. I, I don't have any context for the character or the scene or whatever. It's like, no, this is us. The, the audience just reverts back to, Oh, I'm seeing Marilyn Monroe naked right now. And that's a big deal or whatever. And, and so it can definitely take the audience out of it as much or more than actually help the film. I think in a lot of cases, I'm not opposed to nudity in any way, but I think that that it's like anything, it should be used intentionally and and poignantly not haphazardly and and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of hilarious ways to use nudity there's a lot of serious ways to use nudity there's a lot of effective ways to do it but there's also a lot of dumb reasons to do it <laughs> there's a, i feel like there's it, it's so goofy saying this knowing like some of my favorite movies growing up as like an adolescent 13 year old boy were chock full That's of nudity <laughs> That's the thing is because I was I was preparing this whole time in my 35-year-old brain and I was like I'm very mature. I can handle this. I'm not going to giggle. I'm not going to like right. be like, "Ooh, oh, she's so pretty or whatever." I'm very mature. I can handle this. And then I remembered my young self and how much there were times in my life where I would wish that there was just a random scene for no real reason where someone yeah. would take their clothes off. Yeah. And that would be the best if that could happen. I, and so 
I know <laughs> I'm not the has only merit boy. on some level. <laughs> right. I know I'm not the only one when I was a teenager or even like a year or two before I turned into like an actual teen. There's that that mm-hmm. weird space of time um, <laughs> where you would see a movie like a trailer for a movie and it'd say rated R. And your first thought yeah. would be like, oh, I wonder if there's boobs. And then like sometimes mm-hmm. it would give you the reasoning why it was mm-hmm. rated. Not always, but sometimes. And if you ever saw nudity, it was like, mm-hmm. well, I have to see this movie. I have to see mm-hmm. like whatever actress it is that's going to it's going to bear all right. Yeah. And what was funny is like. I, I thought back on those times and laughed at myself for it because there was a handful of movies. I remember like watching <laughs> simply because it said nudity on the case. And yeah. then the nudity would be like a, butt, or you never saw the <laughs> actual nudity. It'd be like a silhouette or, or in like a, yeah. a sheer nightgown or whatever. So it like counts, yeah. but it doesn't. And just being like, Dude. that was it. That was the nudity. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. I did the exact same thing many times because we grew up in similar households. And our our parents, my parents, I'm sure your parents were the same way. My parents were pretty strict about nudity. I think most American families are much more strict about nudity than they are about violence. And so there were scenes that would come up. I'd be watching a movie at home with my whole family. And then you get your eyes covered up real quick. (laughs) And... And I would try to look under <laughs> and see the timestamp on the VCR. Yes. And then someday when I'm home alone, I'm going to fast forward it. And then I would get there and I'd be like, that's it. That's like the one I remember specifically that my parents being surprised that there was nudity in the movie because they've forgotten because it is very quick is Die Hard. And the terrorists oh, show the chick up on the table the out of the office. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Around the desk, not the, the office. Yeah, and then the, and then there's also the posters in the hallway, um, in the service yeah. corridor. But yeah, it's super fast. And I was like, I really expected more from this, this whole experience <laughs> because that was not what I was looking forward to. Uh, there was a lot of this. I'm not gonna lie. Yep. Yeah. There was. There was a good. <laughs> Do you remember of what those? like your first nude scene was that you remember like seeing and being like, wow. <laughs> Did that happen? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> man, the first one though, because I feel like I was a pretty or a formative one. I, I fit. Yeah, I feel like I was pretty out. stereotypical as a thirteen-year-old boy or twelve-year-old or boy, however old, and seeing boobs on the screen and having that like, oh my god, boobs. Yeah, I can actually tell you. Yeah. I'm pretty positive, and, and this one will probably make you laugh, Jake. This will probably make you laugh okay. really hard. Uh, the first time, I remember kind of being like, whoa, like those were boobs, was I was at a friend's house, and he had told me we have to watch Time Cop. And I remember being like, I'm not a big John claude Van Damme fan, but okay. Mm-hmm. And then learning very quickly that we were only watching Time Cop for one scene. And I can't even remember when the scene comes up and it's not even (laughs) that great a nudity. Uh, No offense to the, Mm -hmm. but like as a young boy. (laughs) Yeah. 
And, and so I know Time Cop was probably the first one that was like, oh, man, I just saw nudity when the parents weren't around. Ho, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. The first one for <laughs> our age group that made all mm-hmm. of us boys just be like, holy hell, I can't believe there's boobs <laughs> on the screen. It's got to come down to American Pie. And when you saw Nadia mm. or Titanic, when yeah. you saw Rose, it's one of those two. Uh, the Titanic yeah, one Titanic makes me was laugh. Very iconic. Yeah, Titanic. I'll, I'll put that one ahead. Well, no, see, I can't because although I saw Titanic <laughs> in the theater, mm-hmm. my mom was very quick to be like, "Cover your eyes!" And so I, the screen was huge, but I I had my mom's hand like covering my face. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't technically see it on the big screen that time. Um, but when we got the VHS double cassette set, yeah, you yeah. can bet there was like, as soon as the folks were gone running errands for a day, it was like, fast forward. I know it's towards the end of tape one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What and then about your parents you? get home? They're like, your parents get home. They're like, why is there so much static on this scene? I don't understand. <laughs> it's like someone has rewound and fast forwarded it so many times. <laughs> the it's like the VHS is like conditioned, been conditioned to just pause on this one scene. What is happening here? Uh, yeah, what about you? It out. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I would say. Uh, under siege the scene from under siege where this trooper is in the cake and she falls asleep because she took too much dramamine and then uh and then pops out after this ship is under siege by terrorists and does a little dance it was one of the formative new scenes of my life that i'll always remember um for sure that has to be one um yeah and then I had a weird thing. I feel like possibly the most iconic nude scene of all time would be Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool in Fast Times at Richmond High. And everybody knows that scene and talks about that scene. I didn't realize until this week, though, that that movie was directed by a woman, Amy Heckerling. Yes. And uh, and it, I think it, it it shows in the sense that that scene, while iconic and while so many people have have been it had it burned into their brains, it works so well because it is it's not one of the more like, oh, I don't understand how she had her top ripped off. It actually makes sense in the context of the story and it sells a good joke with Judge it Reinhold sells a and great has joke. how the fantasy is so much better than the reality, which <laughs> <Right>. is <laughs> awkward and embarrassing and terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the nudity that that scene in Fast Times, that one, I think every boy has seen. Everyone knows that scene. Like you said, I remember going to like friends' houses and we'd we'd watch movies like Animal House because we knew there was nudity. Um, again, mm-hmm. like it, the nudity is not what I think a, a boy at that age actually expects it to be. It kind of ends up always being like. So they're literally just there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. All. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I just lost my train of thought there for a second. God, so many boobs on the mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's distracting for sure. Very distracting. Yeah, it's one of it's one of the weird things. I feel like the 
the eighties was definitely the peak for like that college teen comedy uh, time period mm. with like Animal House and movies like that, Porky's, things like that. Um, there's a lot of those big iconic movies. It was interesting reading about like the history and how when they first started like putting nudity in movies and and getting past the the code era and mm-hmm. and starting to find the edges of where that was allowed and stuff. One of the things that they were allowed to do was these like nudist camp movies, which Nudies. had had no real plot or anything. It was just people being naked and walking around and not doing much. Or like they always tried to frame it in like a, a, a educational or fitness thing. So they'd be like playing basketball or swimming yeah. or doing something like well, that. It was, I mean, it was essentially like nudists wanted representation so they made their own movies and yeah it's just super like nothing's happening they're literally just hanging out doing normal things they just everyone's naked um i can't ever like hear the word nudist without thinking of the scene from a shot in the dark with peter sellers where he has to walk through a nudist camp uh that's just a great gag scene there's no nudity on it but they the way they play off like all the the censoring is just it's brilliant uh sorry yeah that has to be playing into that uh (laughs) playing into that trope that everybody in the time period was familiar with yeah and then uh but building on that then they had everybody's heard of stag films like that's a even though that's not a thing and hasn't been a thing for at least one maybe two generations uh in the past i feel like people that still is a thing that comes up and so I was like, what even is a stag film? And it's really like kind of like building off of the nudist camp movies where there's just random women coming on screen, taking their clothes off, they're basically dancing, yeah. but they're always like super cheap, 16 millimeter, basically home video before they had home video movies that you could play at bachelor parties or whatever. And, and no real plot, but the, the building on the camp nudie movies what they started trying to make it interesting and they would have like a guy chase them around and that basically started the whole horror genre of of (laughs) naked women in horror movies and it's always been kind of like a part of its heritage horror movies have this heritage of a of a of kids having sex and that being well uh, the reason that they're being killed and then the final girl is a virginal figure it builds into that very quickly but it's always kind of been a thing they can't get away from and, and the first i mean the original halloween movie kind of inadvertently started the whole if if you take your clothes off if you have sex you're going to die trope mm-hmm. uh john carpenter never meant for that to be a thing he was <laughs> he just that wasn't what his intentions were it just kind of I guess naturally or maybe not naturally, but that's the trope that it ended up creating, uh, especially in mm-hmm. slasher films. Cause like creature features would have some nudity sometimes, but not near as much. Whereas mm-hmm. if it was a, you know, slasher film, you're going to see a ton <laughs> of boobs. Like it's going to happen. And pretty much every, every pair you see, they're going to get killed. Like, they're not going to make it through the film. Uh, yeah. It, it is funny that that whole 
Hollywood trope, especially with horror films, um, really did kind of like build off of the the nudie films and those stag films where it'd be like a guy in a a monkey suit chasing the women across the screen just so that you would have movement so that they weren't just Mm -hmm. standing around, you know, defining gratuitous, you know, nude scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like there a lot of people have had conversations and written whole papers around like the relationship between violence and nudity mm-hmm. and horror movies has always kind of had that and Psycho is such a prominent example even though there's not strong nudity compared to most of the movies that mm-hmm. we've seen and are talking about, but I feel like for Psycho and and Janet Lee is it Janet yeah. Lee? Yeah, Janet Lee. Okay, thank you. Uh, and Janet Lee is she refused to do nudity. I was going to so say she she's not even in the shower. Double. That's a body double in the shower. Yeah, scene. and so a lot of that like quick cutting and stuff was partly Hitchcock style, but also partly him trying to hide the fact that they're using a body double yeah. in the shower. And there is slight nudity, but it's it's not terribly strong uh, or prominent I think, but i think that that's interesting the concept of of a body double that mm-hmm. we we need to have nudity here but the main actress isn't interested in doing it so we'll just get somebody else to pretend to be her and, and the body double really became kind of common after psycho i think psycho is an interesting one to to bring up because the nudity in that shower scene is not really not really there I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. you, everyone knows the shower scene. It might be one of the all-time most iconic scenes, period, mm-hmm. in the history yeah. of film. Uh, and deservedly so. I mean, that when it came out, that movie by itself freaked audiences out. But that scene really got to people. I think why so many people associate the shower scene with like the nudity and stuff, because I saw it get brought up a handful of times. Um, mm-hmm. I think it brings up the idea of like, the shower is your absolute most vulnerable spot. You can't escape anywhere. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. You have nothing on. I mean, you are fully exposed. And I think that's why so many people associate it with the nudity is because like, well, it's a shower scene. You're naked in a shower. Yeah. But Hitchcock's style, the way he filmed it and had to cut it with the body double and with Janet Lee. Um, mm-hmm. I think that really shows the strength of, not relying on the nudity in a film to be effective for your story. Uh, it, it's just another one of those. Cause like you said earlier, like I'm not opposed to nudity. Typically nudity doesn't mm-hmm. bother me at all in a film. Um, I think the best nudity nude scenes in a film is when it's like a joke. I think, <laughs> I think one of the best uses of nudity ever is actually forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think it's one of the funniest <laughs> bits ever. <laughs> yeah <laughs> mainly because it happened to to jason siegel in real life so that that's just good stuff <laughs> like that's funny it rings true yeah. <laughs> like male nudity is hilarious because it's so awkward it just that's the fact of it um yeah i was trying to think about that like quite a bit actually about the differences between male nudity and female nudity and and I feel like, and I 
was thinking about it and then Googling it. I was like, is it just me? Obviously for me as a heterosexual man, I will be like, yeah, a woman being naked, that's just beautiful. Everybody likes that. There's nothing wrong with that. But a man being naked is weird or hilarious or not very pleasant at best. And, but then I was like, I think that women in general feel the same way too, that they're, they're not terribly excited about seeing a naked man on screen either. And, and so if you're a gay man, maybe, but probably I would imagine it's more of the man side of thing. I think of like being like, I want to see something that I like. Whereas women are like, I would like to experience or feel or, or, or have this whole story or whatever. That's, that's more attractive to me that rich character or whatever. They're more evolved than we are, but we're like, I would like to see a boob and that would be good. But if I see a wiener, it'll be hilarious. And it often is. <laughs> often I would is. say yes, Sarah Marshall, Sarah Marshall is hilarious. But also the scene in Borat where you have oh, yeah. him the hotel and, fight scene. and his very <laughs> overweight partner fighting each other. Uh, that is hilarious. Mostly because you know how much Sasha Baron Cohen is committing to the bit and putting himself in those very awkward and terrible situation <laughs> terrible and situation. they can't help but laugh <laughs> yeah when you uh, have someone else's testicles on your face you know you're in a bad spot <laughs> right but he's like it, it sells the joke it, it's part of mm -hmm. that character it's part of that story and, and it's for the joke that's the purpose of it um i yeah. i was very surprised to find out in preparation for this episode, how much male nudity there actually has been. There is way more male nudity than I thought they have really done. And shockingly, yeah. the majority of it seems to be based in like the seventies and eighties movies, like mid seventies. Mm. And then there was not a lot. And then there's a handful of movies that come out where it's like, dick, 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 dick. And you're like, good Lord. <laughs> and then there's nothing. And then, and then we start turning like male nudity into kind of a joke. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because like, if I watch a serious movie that has male nudity in it, usually it just like, okay, I, I usually will take it as not a interesting part to the story or serve any purpose mm -hmm. to the story. My brain will usually just kind of wire it to like, Oh, Filmmaker just wanted to be like, ooh, we'll shock the audience right here. Ha ha. <laughs> and then I just kind of roll my eyes at it. I'm looking at you, Saltburn. God, your movie sucks. Um <laughs> <laughs> it does seem to have that effect primarily because it never looks good. Like it always it's looks so terrible. I, yeah. like and it's everybody it doesn't help that it's always 70s and 80s. And so there is always a giant bush involved also, <laughs> but it's never flattering or appealing in any way. Whatsoever. In any way. And I'm like, penis is just, they're so weird. They're so awkward. Yeah, I, yeah. You just brought it up a little bit, you know, that sounds so, I don't want to say like sexist, but I'm sorry guys. There's just no, no good way to put this. <laughs> You see a naked woman and it's like, it, it is beautiful. You're very like, awesome. Cool. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like women even tend to be okay with seeing female nudity in a film. I could be yeah. wrong. Don't add us. We're that's the perception I get as well. Yeah. But it, it seems to be like 
this is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You see naked males, and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Why? <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, I feel the same way I imagine women feel, which is, why are you showing me this? <laughs> this is not not helpful in any way. Like, penises are weird. They just are. Mm-hmm. And and I, being I a male... I don't think it's just movies. I was trying to think this through because I like back to the Michelangelo stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, even statues, even the Sistine Chapel, even all of these things, I'm like, like the the chiseled jacked David looks pretty good until you get to right about here. And then you're like, it's it's just never fits. Like it never looks like it belongs there, you know? It's just like like well we had to put it somewhere so that's where it ended up like mm-hmm. that's i guess this is the spot we have it's almost like yeah. <laughs> if you believe in god god just had that moment of like shit i forgot this part what do i do with it yeah uh, this is really important we need it to be somewhere <laughs> prominent and available otherwise they will die immediately <laughs> right. as a species uh uh slap it there they can cover it with a leaf we're good (laughs) like it's in a spot that it can always get covered up and just pretend like it's not there yes what yeah that's how the the, history of man the colder it gets the easier it is to cover up (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but but compared to like a woman or a, a muse and a painting and all this stuff it's like everything about just shape and style and Mm. and curve and everything it just it works and it makes sense and it's art it's always art it seems like yeah and and that at least this could all just be i i could hear both arguments like i imagine people freaking out don't freak out we're just you look (laughs) at you know ancient art like you said the those statues and all that and the muses, the women, like that kind of nudity, it, it's always appealing, not not just sexually, but like it's just this right. looks correct. Yeah, it's appealing in the sense that there's a beauty about it. And I think that I think we're finding that more and more, especially these days, that so much of life has lost its beauty yeah. that buildings are no longer beautiful and everything is cluttered and gross and and covered in neon and signs and and or just square just square boxes. boxes everywhere good god and i think we as a species just really need beauty and inspiration and things mm-hmm. like that and so and i think that that's a lot of what that ancient art is and, and all of that stuff but it does seem to be at least from what I can tell, in my small little brain, that's what it definitely looks like. It's like that the that female form is ideal, and then the male form is just very like utilitarian. It's like it gets the job done, <laughs> but nobody's really grateful for it. <laughs> like, I guess it's practical. <sighs> yeah, you can get some yeah. use out of it. Yeah. They can make some babies, you can send them to die in war. That's about it. <laughs> like, it. Otherwise, it's just there. And get out there, build a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I feel like 
we weren't going to make it through this episode without making fun of <laughs> our own gender. I've, I'm kind of shocked yeah. we made it over an hour into it before we started <laughs> making fun of ourselves, but you can't help it, dude. When I watched that documentary and they were showing clips and they're like, suddenly mm-hmm. there was like all this male nudity. Richard Gere showed his penis on screen in American Gigolo. And instantly I was like, is that the one that I watched that I absolutely hated? I don't think it was. I think it was some <laughs> other shitty movie of his. All I, if you talk about Richard Gere and being naked, I could think of the rumor that he put a gerbil in his butt or whatever oh, it was. I thought that was Hugh Grant. No, it was definitely that Richard was Richard Gere. Gere. Yeah, Maybe yeah, it was yeah. both. No, you're right. It was Richard Gere. Yeah, the gerbil <laughs> in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was going to say before we leave the concept of the two different genders and how men's nudity tends to be more hilarious than female nudity, which tends to be more beautiful. I did have one example where there's a very hilarious lady nudity scene. Uh, Particularly, you don't often see the bottom half of a lady being hilarious. Mm -hmm. But in Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, that that (laughs) pube area shot and joke is one of the funniest uh, naked jokes I've ever seen in the movie. And so that the ladies get credit for that one for sure. Yeah. Nudity as a joke. It works so well most of the time. It, it really can work great. It, it makes you laugh. Yeah. It kind of brings. I think when nudity gets used as a joke, it kind of helps combat that that mentality that you brought up from uh, Steven Soderbergh, where it like will take the audience out of the film. I think if if it's done as that joke, you stay with mm-hmm. the joke. You can stay with the character and being like, oh, yeah. this is, you know. I chuckled at that because awkward nudity mm-hmm. from what I kind of learned and just realized, I guess awkward nudity kind of works the best. It really should be the most relatable thing ever because yeah. everybody has <laughs> skin all over their body. Everybody is naked at some point during the day. Like it's, it's the kind of thing that it shouldn't be weird and shouldn't be taboo. It should be the most normal thing ever. And I think everybody does relate to a very awkward or very embarrassing or very whatever use of it for sure. Yeah. I agree. And I was just like, maybe, maybe that's where the pendulum needs to swing is get out of the, the high extremes of both and just kind of settle on the, how do we just make it more relatable and, and awkward and funny and just kind of keep it mm-hmm. in that area. Cause that seems to have worked the best unless you're a 13 year old yeah. boy who, and then you're just like, Nope, I need, close-up shots (laughs) of boobs in every movie that's Mm. how it needs to be now granted (laughs) it's so accessible anywhere anytime for anyone that i think maybe that's not quite so prominent (laughs) in like the younger generation but yeah I, i wondered that as well because a lot of a lot of the movies that i was thinking of and a lot of my feelings about it have to do with a pre-internet era where it was basically impossible for you to see a naked lady until someone let you see them naked (laughs) for a very long time in human history. And so I do think that's largely why nudity rose to such heights in film for a very long time, especially 60s, 70s and 80s, where that was the place you went if you wanted to. It was a huge selling factor. And then as the internet comes around, people are like, 
I'd rather go see a movie that's entertaining and interesting and funny. I don't really need, I'm not as enticed by just a naked lady or, or promises of boobs anymore. Yeah. The, uh, that's good. Like the raunchy, I guess they were the, the raunchy teen comedies like American pie. I don't think those movies would work as well these Mm -hmm. days because of the accessibility of it all. And, and you don't have to like, I guess there's no struggle to find nudity now, Mm -hmm. whether it's in film or, you know, kids these days won't know, won't know what scramble channels means. They probably won't even understand that joke, but like, (laughs) everyone in our age group probably just chuckled like you just did. So <laughs> like, yeah, it was a struggle yeah. back in the, in the day to find nudity. <laughs> and then I imagine even more so for generations before us, but uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I think the internet's kind of ruined a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i have i have i'm not a prude in any sense of the of the word i don't feel like you definitely need to hide any of that stuff or leave nudity out of things just because uh it's bad or anything like that but i definitely do think that there's more meaning in most of life when you have to work a little harder to get it like if you make things too available to people then uh, they get very lazy about things and and stop yeah. stop building pyramids and doing great things just to, just to make people happy. So I, I do think that there's there's times that that it's kind of that punk rock thing of swinging the pendulum back the other way that maybe we don't need OnlyFans. We maybe we could benefit from having more uh, more intentionality around relationships and, and that 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 whole thing that you see in movies of like the coming rage story and like the first time you get to first base and 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 that excitement and stuff i think loses some of its luster if you've seen a million movies and you've seen uh all this porn and stuff it's like it kind of loses that magic that it it had if it was like a you know a john hughes movie or something it's so funny how we we just talked about well i'm gonna i'm gonna say you you included john hughes <laughs> movies which like if you think like 16 candles or any of his classics mm-hmm. like that from the late 80s those were our kind of movies like those kind of romantic yeah. gestures and stuff cool and and the the actual <laughs> awe of oh my god my crush is naked in front of me or like how did i get myself mm-hmm. in this situation um and then you also use the words magic and porn in the same sentence, which is a little weird, but <laughs> well, when you break it down like that, but I know what you mean. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if I would call it magical, but there was something different about pre internet all over the place. I mean, we had a little bit of internet late nineties. So Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to, like, if you and your friends were going to log on and be like, let's find naked pictures, you had to hope mm-hmm. for a handful of things to all, like, coalesce at the same time. <laughs> One, you had to hope the dial-up internet logged on quick, which was always, mm-hmm. that's a gamble in and of itself. You always yeah. had to hope that the parent 
figures or both parents did not just walk <laughs> into the room as it loads. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest one of them all was the moment you clicked on an image to download it, to see it, let alone mm-hmm. a video clip. Yeah, you they have no comfy. chance of seeing video. <laughs> yeah, you had to get comfy because it was gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah. So there, I get what you mean with like the magic. You you did have to earn it, I guess. You you had to. It had a little more mm-hmm. stake to it than it does these days. Um, and maybe because I thought about that too, and I was like, you know, we had a couple movies come out last year one very serious one absolutely not serious both featured shocking nudity in them Mm -hmm. we had no hard feelings with jennifer lawrence where she was like full frontal nude and then oppenheimer had the your favorite sex scene of the year (laughs) i am become death sex scene both took audiences off guard both became the same and i thought about like why because there's a lot of nude scenes in a lot of movies every year that people just kind of like whatever myself included but those two were like holy crap there's like big time nudity which i kind of argue with oppenheimer Mm -hmm. because it's like yeah it's not it's a sex scene but i didn't feel that the nudity in oppenheimer was near on the scale that so many people Mm -hmm. claimed it to be um well, I think a lot of the hype around it was partly around Christopher Nolan had never done a nude done a scene nude before. scene, yeah. And that's a big deal. But I think what what made him stick, not just because Nolan, that was the first time he's had nudity and sex in a film, mm-hmm. but both those movies kind of like reverted back to that that shock value or that like, oh shit, like, mm-hmm. and, and the nudity is actually like serving the characters it's serving it's it's moving (laughs) this story forward so Mm -hmm. it was like practical nudity if you will like it it actually served a purpose it wasn't just gratuitous i'm sure some people are going to argue yes it was (laughs) you can argue that with any of the scenes but those two movies i feel kind of helped combat that like it's so accessible everywhere it was just like Oh, here you go. And then it moved on with its life, which was the best part. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer Lawrence in uh, No Hard Feelings, that was definitely a hilarious scene and and so kinetic. Any naked fight scene, I feel like, is very different than like uh, walking around or sitting down scene. And that's it's more hilarious to be like, I can't believe you're having this fight now. And <laughs> it, it's also, I mean, it's not the first time she's done a nude scene either maybe that helps um or maybe not i don't know that most people remember like red sparrow mm-hmm. or i don't remember if she did nudity in mother or not but yeah red she sparrow does for sure. she okay. she had a nude scene in mother but it wasn't like it wasn't a focal point she just happened to be yeah naked on a shot but with That's mother i mean that anybody feels good at any point your anxiety so high you're not really noticing <laughs> anything except the chaos around her. Um, And then Red Sparrow. God, I hated that movie. That movie was just gross and kind (laughs) of dumb. So I think that's why. And and plus, like, no one saw it. So I think that's why it didn't really stick with anyone. Yeah. God, I forgot about that movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
But that's like a thing that uh, you had mentioned before that for actresses who are afraid of doing nudity for a very long time because they felt like it would ruin their career and then more and more started doing it and realizing that it it doesn't hurt your career. In fact, it could even help your career at yeah. a certain point. And, and then I think we've leveled out. I think the Me Too movement has kind of helped, I think, of you don't, you don't have to by any means do it. But if you want to do it, it's not bad either. You can do that if you want to. And and there are things to try and keep that more balanced. And it, they're less less strict than like straight censors were, mm -hmm. which were just hurting things, pushing the pendulum too far kind of stuff. They're more of like, this is a thing we do. If you want it to go well, here's the best way to make it go well and, and try to help everybody well. So well, I, I think in general, that's good. Yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like the power kind of feels weird using that phrase. Well, anyways, yeah. it, it, I feel like the power was actually given for the first time in all reality, completely given to the actors and actresses when it comes to a nude scene or a sex scene post me too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. It, it's sad that the power wasn't always there. For yeah. them, I think they should have always had that that power to be able to say no and not have their career harmed, or say mm -hmm. yes and not have their career harmed. Because there's plenty of actors and actresses that are all for it. I mean, Julianne Moore, we brought her yeah. up earlier. Shit, I think she's been naked in more than half of the movies <laughs> that she's done. Like she mm -hmm. finds it empowering. She's okay with it, and that's good for her like if that's how she views right. it cool there's I, nothing wrong with that but i i think as a whole yeah. post me too especially actresses were given complete control now that they always should have had to you know actually have you know, put their foot down on something so now when you see nudity in a film yeah. i think it's more comfortable to see it in a film these days because you know like this was actually signed off. Everything was okay. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. that in the intimacy coordinator and the, uh, what are they called? The nudity writer or whatever they are. I mean, there's like yeah. a whole team now who are so strict and making sure everything is kept of what was agreed upon. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to change it, it's like a whole new, mediation almost of like well no you, like you can't even change the camera angle without a whole mm -hmm. new set of rules created so i think that's i don't feel as gross seeing nudity or taken off guard with nudity these days or you know scenes where you're like "Ooh, this is a little much i mean mm -hmm. i'm i imagine it's still pretty awkward you have to have a really good scene partner i mean you have to have <laughs> a lot of trust in your scene partner to pull off some yeah. of these scenes. Oh, for sure. And there's there's been times where I've watched a movie and been like, like, I like that actor, but if I was that actress, would I really be feeling great <laughs> of him like mm -hmm. jackhammering me from behind right now? Like I think of I know you didn't <laughs> see it, but there's a scene in Napoleon where Joaquin Phoenix uh, yeah. just like <laughs> aiming for a heart attack or some shit as he's just railing <laughs> his wife from behind. And you're like, this is 
not good. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, a little excessive sounds like. <laughs> very excessive. But that's another thing. I mean, how would I wonder how the studio would go about like if an actress or an actor suddenly have like kind of an unhealthy disconnect with their scene partner. Like if suddenly mm. there is nope, something's off. This doesn't like not feeling safe, whatever. How does the studio approach that scene? Cause I imagine yeah. it's, it's definitely, I mean, we, they try their hardest to remove those power dynamics and make mm-hmm. everybody feel comfortable. But it's also kind of part of life that you can't really fully get away from that. If you are in a scene and you're opposite a giant actor and you complain too much and you're not comfortable, then they'll just be like, okay, feel free to leave because we're not getting rid of that guy because he is too important to this production. We're not going to make the money at the box office if his name's not on it and nobody knows who you are. So at least they won't be like, you have to, you got to get in there. You agree Mm -hmm. to all this stuff. It's like, you can walk away and that's fine. But there is always still always that feeling of like, well, maybe I should just get over it. Maybe I should push my comfort zone past Mm -hmm. what I actually want to do. And uh, that's, that's unfortunate. You want to avoid that as much as possible. And I feel like that's a very slippery slope. Yeah. To revert back to kind of the way the studios approach these scenes in the sixties, seventies and eighties, where it really Mm -hmm. was, you either do this or you have no career. Like it's that guilt trip Mm -hmm. almost, um, not almost it flat out is, I think that's a slippery slope. I I would imagine, I would imagine or hope to that during pre-production after casting is done, after the first table read is done, Mm -hmm. I would hope that there are some very long, intense conversations for your leads or the people that are going to be involved in those scenes to Mm -hmm. actually kind of meet, get to know each other. Like you have to build a trust because you have to trust your scene partner. Just like you have to trust Team your building, yeah. You have to try. Yeah. You have to trust these people. And man, when you're naked with someone, you're so <laughs> vulnerable and trust is such mm-hmm. a huge factor. So that, that rings in my head a lot. When I see some of these scenes of like, man, your trust is either crazy high Mm-hmm. And I applaud you for that because <laughs> I feel like mine, my trust would still be a, a little shaky if they're at all with some of these scenes. Yeah. Um, or, or there's sometimes, right? Like, I just don't feel like the actors have good chemistry in general and then they have to share these kinds of scenes. And you're like, this is, <laughs> this can't, couldn't have been a positive experience Mm -hmm. on set. Like you hear the horror stories or not horror stories. Sorry. You hear the lack of chemistry from uh, what's her name? Uh, Dakota Johnson. And what's his bucket when they did the 50 shades films. Yeah. Um, Christian, whatever. Yeah. All the stories I've ever heard coming and I've never seen those movies. So I I don't feel like I have full say or whatever. (laughs) But everything I've heard from the production was they didn't get along all that great. There was no chemistry. They just were there for the paycheck. And I'm like, 
that'd be a big red flag to me. Like you're just here yeah. for the paycheck. I, and you're expecting, like, I have to share the scene where I'm bound and blindfolded and you're gonna have naked, like yeah. a minion over me. This is, I'd be, I would imagine like, <laughs> hold up, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> like, She's got some bigger balls than I do. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, my favorite kind of, I guess nudity arcs as far as power dynamics go has to be in Game of Thrones, where, uh, which is one of those funny shows that I feel like Game of Thrones would not be as huge as it was without the na- the nudity in it. Like, yeah, the nudity kind of became be, like a character of the show. Everybody was kind of talking about. Uh, the nudity in it and sure there were fans of the books that loved the fantasy aspect but most of the other people were like yeah there's dragons and fights and stuff but there's a lot of naked people in it and that's always kind of been hbo's thing anyway that they always have very good shows that are very geared towards adults that always have nudity in them at some point uh and so the game of thrones was kind of just the next generation of it but I feel like it took it to the uh, another level that everybody seemed to be talking about how yeah. much nudity was in it. And so when Amelia Clark was Khaleesi in it and in the first season, she does all these nude scenes and stuff and then kind of comes to regret it. Didn't really love doing it. Didn't want to do it anymore and decides she's not going to do it anymore. And so you have several seasons after not doing it. And then the kind of changes to an empowering thing for her. Mm-hmm. And she has this scene where it's a very powerful scene, very, very um, explosive as far as her actual authority and, and capability and power, literally. Um, and she's like, yeah, let, let's do This is going to be a nude scene. We got to do this nude. It's going to be so incredible. And it is a great scene um, that I think everybody was psyched about, but it's just interesting how that arc changed of, Starting out on this show, nobody really knows who you are in the situation where you're not comfortable, able to avoid that, go on to become this huge star and then and then and then kind of choose to retake that. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I think that is a her story with Game of Thrones, I I I do think is one of the best stories to come out of that show. Um, because she did I mean, after the first season or maybe it was even after the second season because she had nude scenes a lot in the the early years of game of thrones and i remember her in an interview towards the end of the series where she flat out said like i was sick and tired of having to be naked all the time like there's more to me as an actress there's more to this character than just always being naked and uh I, I agree with you. I think that power shift where she refused the nudity, they like agreed with her and mm-hmm. switched up some of the writing. They they cleaned it up. I, I feel they may have, let's be honest, being told you're, you're not going to have Amelia Clark be naked anymore or have sex scenes anymore. They may have decided, well, we have to make up for that. So we'll up the ante mm-hmm. with a few of these other scenes because as much as I love that show, mm-hmm. there are definitely a lot of scenes where you're like, <laughs> what the 
fuck is the reason? Why <laughs> yeah. are we why are we watching this happen? Like the brothel scenes like with Littlefinger. Every like, small character that's not gonna come back in any other episode uh, right. is always naked. You're like, this this is so okay. Like, let's let's move on. Um mm-hmm. but then for her to like, I'm gonna do this nude scene again towards the end of the series and there, it does feel different. It doesn't feel like, ooh, Amelia Clark is naked again. It felt like, ooh, this feels mm-hmm. empowering almost. God, Game of mm-hmm. Thrones is such a... <laughs> I'm shocked I didn't write more notes about Game of Thrones in terms of nudity and sex because Game of Thrones definitely pushed boundaries. I know they got... Yeah. And, and I actually agree with... I was one of them that was bothered by how far they started pushing boundaries on certain things. You know, um, obviously I feel the, the Sansa rape scene is like, come on guys. This was (laughs) so like, you did not need this. We did not need to watch this happen. Um, yeah, I know people argue that you did, but you're never going to convince me. That was good. And it obviously it's one of those examples where that kind of sex scene happens that bothered so many people that mm-hmm. HBO literally stepped in at the end of that season and was like, so we're stepping away from like rape. <laughs> like <laughs> we're, we're basically taking it completely out, which was a good thing. You don't need it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that was a thing we talked about in the most offensive movies ever episode is that rape is particularly one of those things that you can imply it or even hint at the possibility of it and everybody gets it immediately. Yeah. Like you don't need to do any more than that. And there are so many movies, one in particular we talked about, I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. Uh, that movie has multiple gang rapes, long, like half the movie is raping basically. And and the payoff of her overcoming and going on a vendetta streak after that isn't really enough to really like it could have been cool if I didn't have to go through all of the actual right. raping. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched fun. that documentary again, they brought I spit on your grave up and they were showing clips of the scenes. Dude, I literally mm. was like, well, I'm getting up during this. Like I skipped that whole part <laughs> of the documentary. I was just you don't have to show it. There is no empowerment in making those scenes. I can't believe it's shown in so many movies or shows. It just Mm -hmm. like, it's sad to me. It's really sad to me. And they were bringing it up in that documentary because she's nude. Like for the majority of that movie, she's naked. Yeah. And the actress was like, kind of you know defending the film defending the stuff and she brought up well you know she gets her revenge and i'm with Mm -hmm. you and i talked about it pretty extensively of like it the payoff is not worth it it doesn't Mm -hmm. that shit is like seared in my brain and i (laughs) really wish it wasn't and so when it like showed it again my Everything I mean it was like, nope, no, we ain't nope, nope. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like Hollywood or filmmakers have this belief that if you show 
a very intense rape scene that it's like very true to life and and gritty and and important or whatever but i don't know that they understand that normal people pretty much all people except for a couple of people who are, are completely disassociated from anything of actual relationship and humanity normal people already know how terrible it is and how deeply affecting it is and and all of that stuff and so i think that you do more harm than good by yeah. making a very long drawn out realistic rape scene because you're gonna traumatize new people or re-trigger people who've been through something See, like that or whatever i always, yeah i think of the i think of the victims whether they have family members or friends that have mm -hmm. been victims of that to focus on it in a you know, on, on a show or in a film to focus on it is like, I feel like you're, you're kind of slapping these people in the face. If mm -hmm. you're like exploiting this horrible situation. And I, I understand that argument can be made for damn near everything shown in a film. <laughs> um, but this one particularly is like, that's such a horrible thing that, that exists in our world that so many people have been victims of or traumatized by like it and it, and it runs in through generations. I mean, it affects generations. That ripple is crazy. So when I feel when a movie focuses on it and tries to have that mentality of like, Ooh, we want to be as gritty and like real. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're just exploiting this horrible thing for your own profit. And I just, mm -hmm. I, I very much disagree with it. And, and to see like that documentary and the, the, the people associated with it, were defending the nudity with it and saying like, well, he, there has to be nudity with this. It's a rape scene. And <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. but the scene itself, so unnecessary. So you didn't need the nudity. You didn't need the, Right. The actual act is that kind of stuff is very disheartening to me. And you and I, I mean, we have a whole episode based on how <laughs> horrible <laughs> watching this stuff was for both of us. And, and it's, mm -hmm. I'm glad I, I still say I'm, I'm kind of glad we still did it because I think it helped give you and I like pretty clear definitions of where our lines the worst are. movies ever yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is funny watching it movies. gives me a lot more grace for movies now <laughs> i'm like it's not that bad it may be the worst movie i've seen in years but it's not that bad. <laughs> but compared uh yeah but yeah what that, that kind of stuff is just so gross i i it shocks me how yeah. many movies how many writers out there are sitting down and being like you know what we need right here? <laughs> We're going to have some rape, but don't worry. We'll show her boobs like gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And gross. It, it, I feel like it gets even more complicated and gross in that. This isn't like, like a story that you're telling for the purpose of like some meaningful information that you're just putting out in the world it's not a painting that you're just showing that everybody can experience like it's a for-profit business that you're mm -hmm. trying to make money off of these 
ticket sales and video sales and all of that stuff. And so to there's an exploitation level that you get to pretty quickly by showing this stuff and and you could say that there's an art to it, but there's a shock value too and pe- and the press that comes with it and people are like, oh, I have to see if it's really as bad as everybody says and that generates buzz and generates revenue and all of this stuff and that it makes it even dirtier. Yeah, shit. I just, I mean, that's why I saw Poor Things was because I had to see it for myself. I had to see is, does it fall like on the, oh, people are making something out of this that's not there? Is it really that bad or is it like really that weird? Yada, yada. And it really was that bad. Mm -hmm. Like that movie really bothered me (laughs) very fucking much. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I feel that movie is very exploitative. Like, and I think it's, it has done a great job at convincing people that it's art. When mm-hmm. it, when what it actually is, is exploiting manipulation and taking advantage of the young. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm kind of shocked Emma Stone has been so open about it and so like <laughs> proud of it. And I yeah. did find myself at one point because she's naked a lot in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I and I found myself thinking like, man, back to like the sometimes leaving the imagination is better. I was like thinking mm-hmm. of all that because all of her earlier films pre poor things so basically her whole career before this movie <laughs> yeah and i was thinking like i've been a fan of hers for so long and if you want to like strip everything away and make it down to like her most attractive i'm like mm-hmm. was when she wasn't sucked into everything hollywood i kind of wish she would get out of that and kind of get back to her basics the silliness, you know, yeah. like crazy, stupid love. I think that's one of her best. La La Land is obviously my favorite of hers. Like mm-hmm. that, even that's, in Superbad, yeah, and Superbad. Like those characters that she played, way more empowering. And it's crazy. I know, mm-hmm. like the sound super purist. I don't mean for it to be that way, but those characters <laughs> are not relying on having to be naked or having to have yeah. sex the whole time to move forward in their lives. That's not what it is. And, and that to me, that's more like empowering of women or empowering of the story. And you don't even have to mm-hmm. do a lot of that. This God, poor things was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the whole conversation went down pretty serious rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I- have you ever seen Mary Poppins boobs before? I have. I have. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't know until this week that uh Julie Andrews did a topless scene in a movie and she did it for Blake Edwards, her husband, who did all of the Pink Panther movies. And uh in a movie called SOB, which is apparently not that good, but they used that kind of shock value of yeah. you could see Julie Andrews, the most wholesome woman ever, uh take her top off in this movie. And uh, it was 
kind of entertaining on a very thin basic level <laughs> very thin level well it's done as like kind of a kind of a joke like obvious tongue in cheek cuz he needed that that final he needed that gag he needed that like oh shit and uh yeah i i've never actually seen sob i've just seen the clips of it um and that scene <laughs> And I gotta tell you, like, considering Mary Poppins is my favorite family film ever, like, mm-hmm. I adore that movie so much. Um, seeing her, like, rip her top off, I my first thought wasn't, oh, shit, Mary Poppins boobs. My first thought was like, huh, does that ruin Mary Poppins <laughs> for me? <laughs> It doesn't. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think what's weird, I can't imagine that conversation between her husband and her where he's saying, I need, I need something to, to really sell this movie. Uh, you want to tear your, your top off and I'm going to show your boobs to the world. Um, yeah. That that had to have been a weird conversation, right? Or maybe things are just so <laughs> disconnected in Hollywood. Those conversations are normal. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I don't know either. But yeah, it's certainly possible. So yeah, I was trying to think of like what are what are great examples of of nudity where it actually makes sense to do and is a good reason to do it. And and one example I had was Cabin in the Woods because it does build on that trope that Hollywood has already established for decades. That yep. And I have that thought in my mind every time someone's like, "Oh, the the so and so gets naked in this movie. How exciting is that?" Is that line that he says, "Your basic human needs disgust me." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. I don't want to give Joss Whedon too much credit considering he ended up, he turned out to be one of like the worst ones out there, but (laughs) he did write that joke perfectly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, the whole trope of come on, show us the, show us your boobs. Come on. We, we have to see them. And like the, (laughs) it's written so well and, and makes sense to that story so well. Well, it makes sense to the whole genre, honestly. It, right. it, you couldn't have had yeah, that scene without that. that trope and without that line of like your basic human needs disgust me. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, that might be that might be the best use of nudity in a film. Actually, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> because you're. Uh, I also really like. Oh, uh, you finish. I was going to say, but see, that fits my argument. <laughs> The best times nudity works is when it's a joke, when it's tongue in cheek. That's when it's the best. I have three serious ones, and I know at least one of them you'll agree with. Okay. Um, The first one, though, that I don't know what you'll think about is Eastern Promises, the Hugo, no, what's his name? The... I almost said Hugo Weaving, and that's certainly not Hugo Weaving. That is not Um, Hugo Weaving. Um... Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen, thank you. Um, the scene in the sauna when he gets ambushed and they have a naked fight 
in the asana uh, that i mean it just makes sense if you're in the sun and you get attacked by an assassin you gotta fight back you can't wait for a towel you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do kind of thing uh, i think that one works really well the possibly the most most meaningful maybe second most meaningful ex machina the scenes where she discovers like the android yeah bodies in the closet and there's nudity in that movie but it never took me out of it it was always i was very much in her space where and also i think how the audience is supposed to perceive it is that this guy who's building these androids is building these things who he hopes will become sentient people basically Mm -hmm. but until they achieve that they're basically objects that he is controlling and chooses to make them women beautiful women and has them anatomically correct and fully naked and all this stuff and so it gives you a certain perception of him and and all of that well also you there's a lot of practical applications as well where she kind of like uses a skin or rebuilds herself or whatever and it's a very it is not used in a way that comes across yeah, as anything like, but good there there's one one scene where the nudity is sexualized is when he's like drunk and dancing with the the one android um but mm. other than that the nudity that's in that film for the most part isn't sexualized it's done as like kind of sciency like he's mm-hmm. aiming for anatomically correct kind of stuff. It's like the nudity trying to create the most perfect human. Yeah. It's like the nudity and uh, autopsy of Jane Doe. I absolutely love that film. Tons yeah. of nudity in it, but that's because it's a corpse <laughs> on a, on an autopsy table. Cadaver. There, it, yeah. Zero sexualization period in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What was your next example? And then Sorry. the last one, which I know you'll agree with, there is sexualization to it, but I think it's done in the best way, which is Requiem for a Dream, which we just talked about pretty recently. And having the Jennifer Connelly in that situation, you're not, even though the characters are objectifying her and making her and putting her in a sexual situation like that, the audience is very much not. The audience is very much where darren Aronofsky wants you to be which is just feeling for her and feeling yeah. for the situation that she has had gone through and what led her here and and her helplessness and getting out of it um that's kind of the old best one i could think of yeah that is a, a good example of like the use of the nudity and it is a sexualized scene but like you said the way it's shot and edited you as an audience are, I mean, it's like basically close-ups of her face the whole time with a couple wider mm-hmm. shots, but you as the audience, you're supposed to, I mean, he's making sure if your heart wasn't broke already, I am about to just mm-hmm. fucking shatter it. So you are so emotionally mm-hmm. drained and invested in, and in, in just feeling so sad and, broken for her and with her that yeah you as the audience you're not going to take it as i mean unless there's something really fucked up with you in which case right there's doctors out there for those (laughs) yeah (laughs) i Uh, was gonna make that joke about autopsy of jane doe i was like 
people do sexual things with cadavers too. It doesn't really. I mean, that's true. And those people, uh, yeah, they, there are institutions for, for people like that. (laughs) I mean, I, I, yeah, like, I forget what I, I I heard a liner joke. I can't remember where it was. Anyways, it was a long time ago, but it was like, I saw this argument of people can't choose their fetishes or something like that. And instantly was like, no, I'm pretty sure you can (laughs) like, nope, we are not going down that route. That is, yeah, that is a excuse to be dangerous. And we're just not Mm -hmm. down for that. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of people making excuses for a lot of weird behavior for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, I didn't even try to think of like the best uses of, of nudity for, well, I, I guess I brought up forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is the funniest use yeah. for me. Uh, for sure. But that scene will always from the first time I saw that movie and, and even now, and the movie's been out since when was that? 2009, seven. However long. Seven, probably. Eight. It was eight. 2008. Damn, I was like, yeah. man, I am so <laughs> close most of the time. <sighs> you really are good at that so date fun. thing. Um, I don't even pay attention. That nudity is still the... F- it will never not be hilarious to me. And it's never gross. It's not even mm-hmm. sexualized. It's just so funny. And, and as a guy, you laugh at a couple parts of it, right? So you laugh <laughs> at just the fact that he's standing there getting dumped and he lets the towel fall. Mm -hmm. But I think the part that every guy really laughs at (laughs) and you don't even see anything, but you can hear it is when he does the, I got a surprise for you. (laughs) If you're a male and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't relate to that scene. (laughs) Never lived. I'm going to, Call bullshit. <laughs> I'm flat out calling bullshit. Because <laughs> I'm pretty positive every guy has has done that. But <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's such a funny thing because I, it's not the kind of thing that you would do to entice a mate. Like nobody is all. finding that. Uh, like, yeah. Unless you it's are so invested into the like, you're that comfortable that you know it's mm-hmm. it's silly, it's so goofy and ridiculous. Yeah. You're you not can find exp- the hilariousness of it, yeah, attractive for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I didn't really think of like the the best uses or like top three or whatever. Uh, not that you had the mm-hmm. top three, but. Uh, you know, I brought up American yeah, Pie earlier. Mind. That movie is gratuitous, but it it's gratuitous and like the the joke factor of it is there because it, it, mm-hmm. every adolescent boy is instantly like, and it, and it was the big came out in ninety nine, so the internet was or ninety seven. <laughs> sorry, internet was still fresh, still pretty new, and, mm-hmm. and I think Nadia's scene for for every boy was just like holy crap they turned it into like 
a gross joke. And then for Hollywood to then come out with not another teen movie and just completely (laughs) make fun of that whole thing just blatantly and just like, we're just gonna, it might be the most gratuitous thing ever put on film, but we're going to make sure the joke is understood by all. Yeah. Have they exchanged student naked in every situation for the entire movie, (laughs) the entire movie, like super awkward for the actress, but Mm -hmm. the joke comes off so well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I brought it up earlier. I'm not even a big fan of the movie, but Titanic scene with Rose and the the drawing. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to say this, but I'm not sure Titanic would have had the same effect without that scene. And not just because she's like, oh, we see Kate Winslet's boobs, because if you look at her career, you had already yeah. seen her boobs up to that movie. Um, right. But that drawing in that moment is so vital to like her story Mm -hmm. that the movie, I just don't think would have been the same without it. Yeah. It's kind of the, I mean, for her character, it's a pretty important moment where she kind of decides to leave the life that she had planned or was planned for her and decides to give herself over to this new love kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But, but I think that that scene handles the nudity well enough so yeah there you go james cameron we gave you a little bit of credit a little bit (laughs) (laughs) yeah few and far between (laughs) that's good but there's um so much nudity i also had a there's a lot of nudity like the last main thought i had was on the topic of body doubles Mm. and and going back to our discussions about blade runner how that's even more complicated now with AI that if, if there aren't new clauses added to the nudity writer and stuff to account for this kind of stuff, um, the actress never has to be naked and, but they can make a very detailed and very computer generated accurate as possible kind of scene puts you in it and make you do pretty much whatever they want you to do without your agreement, unless they actively start working on putting those agreements in place and protections there, because that just happened with uh, Taylor Swift, a bunch of online AI generated images of her came up and everybody started freaking out. This has happened. I mean, deep fakes and all this other stuff has happened forever, but uh, it takes the biggest pop star in the world for actually people to start paying attention, I guess. So I think it's good to draw attention to and something to be concerned about. I, I, yeah. For anyone that's like, listened to you and I long enough, know our opinion on AI and the reliance <laughs> and progressiveness of it. For those just listening, mm. that's heavy quotes, like catch the sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> I think AI and film is so dangerous and I think it could potentially be so damaging for actors and actresses in terms of exactly what you just said, where that could be the next gray area for production Mm -hmm. studios. And I think that's such a dangerous route that could potentially be taken. 
because yeah. you're exploiting the the likeness and you're you're going to be putting this stuff out there without the consent. I mean, it's I AI in film. Ugh. It's a frightening <laughs> thought, and I've heard people argue AI in general, and they keep saying like, "But it's progress, and this is good for us." And I'm always like, "No, mm-hmm. it's pure evil." And my daughter and I are actually just talking about deep fakes yesterday. And uh, mm-hmm. I was explaining to her how deep fakes were kind of used to like damage careers. And that wasn't even like nude deep fake stuff. Yeah. You imagine what would happen if suddenly there's deep fakes. You brought up Taylor Swift. She's like the most loved pop star in history. <laughs> I mean, she's a billionaire. Right. I think she just became officially a billionaire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Huge voice of young women and women in general. I mean, she's huge. Whether you're a fan of Mm -hmm. her music or not, you can't deny her success. Mm -hmm. I think it would be heartbreaking if suddenly, I guess you could say the X-rated deep fake AI stuff starts coming out to try and tarnish Mm -hmm. her image. It's just she, you know, you you can't afford yeah. anyone off these days without someone knowing how to like truly get at you. It's so dangerous. It's so evil. I don't see any progress or any positivity in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's frightening to yeah, me. Yeah, it's very frightening. I think you're definitely right that it's it is one of the next gray areas, and it's, so it's concerning in the sense that Hollywood has always kind of pushed those boundaries mm-hmm. and. And to a sense, in a sense, it is the job of art to push boundaries and and stuff. But but I don't think, kind of like what we talked about already, that just pushing boundaries for boundaries' sake is not necessarily good. Right. That you kind of it should be the job of art to know what boundaries need pushing and what boundaries need supporting. That maybe <laughs> right. that's a good boundary. You should should. Expect, like shore up that boundary and make it mm-hmm. even stronger. Yeah. Art should challenge hundred percent. Art should challenge everybody on every side of, of the belief. Like it should do that. That's its job. Um, pushing boundaries comes with the challenge, mm-hmm. but I think part of that challenge should also be to know a limit. Like there are just certain things this is wrong. If you're trying to challenge one specific group of people, then you need to like kind of do it intelligently, not just exploitive Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, you need to, you need to have real purpose and you need to make sure your purpose comes across clear. I think metaphors are awesome and important, especially in storytelling, but I feel so many writers filmmakers whatever get so caught up in overuse of the metaphor it turns into that art house kind of thing and then you when you think you're challenge being challenging you're actually just being exploitive or you're just being gross Mm -hmm. and we have seen movies where you can see that line get crossed and a lot of those movies i feel were not accidental and and i think you agree with me on yeah 
the the artist kind of loses focus and loses the the point of it and decides well this is edgy so that's what i want to focus on you're like yeah if you really want to challenge you then you need to actually challenge the subject and you can challenge Mm -hmm. a subject without focusing only on being edgy it's such a dangerous slippery like it's there's almost too many gray areas that lead into so much danger. Mm-hmm. That's why we need the pendulum to kind of find that middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Ah, oh, nudity. Well, yeah. I don't go. have too much. I feel, like, I feel like we covered it. That's the history. Covered quite a That's bit. The state um, of nudity in film. Yeah. Whoo, nudity. Hey, we managed to still keep it like kind of <laughs> silly at moments. I mean, we did it. Uh, did our best. Yeah. We did our best. I know it's a hot topic. It, it, it can be kind of an uncomfortable topic. Trust me, watching certain scenes in movies or knowing certain things <laughs> in film and, and stories, it is uncomfortable. Uh, nudity is such a weird topic to bring up because you want to laugh at most yeah. of it, but then you see stuff that you're like, this isn't funny at all. So <laughs> I was very much questioning how much of my perception was through my American lens also, because mm-hmm. I know Europeans for a, all of this time that Hollywood had the Hayes code and, and the, Ministry of Justice or whatever it was called the the and they had all of this other like stuff going on in America and Hollywood that was censoring and banning nudity. Europe never bothered with that. They don't they put out nudity in film all the time, didn't really care, never had a problem. So I'm very curious what that would have been like. Like how much of society is formed around that hang up that we experience here and have yeah. for so long that it's it's a hang up and then it's taboo and then it's exciting and then it's all stuff. If you don't have any of that, how different is the world? I wonder. Well, I, I feel like obviously we'll never know unless uh unless we tap into parallel universes, but that's for a different episode. Um <laughs> oh, it's funny and you guys will find out later. Um <laughs> That was a very specific statement. <laughs> but I think there's there's pros and cons to to the way that Europe was as well. I think they have mm-hmm. I would argue equal amounts of dangerous gray areas and having it be so normalized over there. True. I think I think to have it pretty prominent from the get-go across the pond kind of desensitizes from a very like almost right out the gate, or at least you're going to get to desensitization quicker and, yeah. and being desensitized to stuff. That's always kind of not a good area to get into because if you're not feeling anything for it, then then you're kind of, more okay with certain things happening and that's boundaries are crossed and and that's how you get into (laughs) destruction of a species. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, I agree. I think there's pros and cons on on how both sides handled nudity. I think I think one is just kind of more in the limelight because it's the home of. I mean, wait, California is the home of the place, right? Hollywood is the heart yeah. of it all. So, in the limelight, way more often, but. Yeah, it'd be curious to. I don't know, and, and we have friends across the pond, so let us know. Like, mm-hmm. what are your takes on nudity and, and the sex scenes? Like, do you get triggered by them? Are are they just kind of in passing? You don't even really notice them. Uh, do you love them? Are they just do the most delightful? Love them? Do you ever? think like? <laughs> are you in your thirties still pausing the movie on a nude scene? If you are, buddy. Touch grass. (laughs) Like, get outside, man. Get outside. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a hot topic. I think it's we we left a lot open for for more discussion. So join the talk. Let us know your thoughts on it and all that. Um, Yeah, very curious. Not really any wrong answers. Well. All right. Yeah, there can still be a wrong answer, but okay, there are wrong answers. (laughs) If you if you pause the autopsy of a Jane Doe or whatever else, there there's limits for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we mentioned next last uh, earlier in the episode. Next time we are talking about Dune, the original, wonderful 1984 david lynch dune uh just in time for dune part two to come out from the great denis Villeneuve, and so that will be a very exciting time um yeah (laughs) more science fiction we had never seen it we watched it it was crazy and we had a lot of thoughts about it. we had a lot to say about it that is for sure yeah um (laughs) it was still a fun time i yeah so be prepared for that anything away yeah 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 uh enjoy that one when it comes out obviously we're gonna encourage you go see dune part two when it releases i know you and i have been Mm -hmm. chomping at the bit for this freaking movie i know especially you so very excited yeah liked can't wait for march um (laughs) and then also be keeping an eye out we got the the boners awards coming your way yes also in march march will be a big month yes march is going to be a blast so keep watching the stories you're going to see all the polls and all the the stuff come up so get your votes in and i think that's about it right yeah i think that sounds good thanks everybody all right thank you guys (laughs) 